Okay, it's already down there. All right. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, I have the fire. <laughs> I have the fire. Amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Brother Hughes is going to bring some fire tonight, so we want him to go ahead and come on. Let's give him a good warm welcome tonight. Amen. You, they tell you all kinds of things as you get a little older you can't remember a thing but I refuse to give in to it uh, we had a little incident when we first came here I was kind of slow on the uptake for a little a couple of days but I, I got back to my normal self whatever that is I see a pastor didn't warn you that we was preaching so you come on out tonight I'm joking with you now having a little fun hallelujah you, you kind of know you got trouble when I bring this book from my notes. Okay, it's, a black, it's a panther, in case you don't want to know. So, amen. <laughs> amen. I, uh, we were Sunday. The Lord really began to uh, speak to me. And I really, last week I came, the well, last time we preached, we had uh, notes that we wanted to use, but the Lord gave us a download. Same thing happened again, so it must be something you need. But, you know, there's several ways you can deal with a, a word of knowledge. You can prophesy it. You can speak it out. You can preach it. Uh, we kind of chose to preach it tonight, amen? Because we believe that uh, it would help us get across some things that needs to be said and needs to be heard, amen? I'm going to give you a scripture. This is kind of, this. I don't know if this has anything to do with it. Pastor's talking about fire. I run across this, I don't know what I was doing when I saw this. And I've read through the book of uh, Lamentations several times. Not one of my most favorite books, but anyway, it, I've read it. Lamentations 1.13 said, From above, he sent fire into my bones. Huh? You like that? And, it, and, he, and, and it prevaileth against them. Hallelujah. I guess I'm assuming them is anything that's contrary to God, Right? Amen. But Lamentations one thirteen, you might want to meditate on that. And be a be a blessing to you. Praise God. I uh, uh, I'm going to get in. There are some notes or some things I want to share. First of all, I'm going to give you an ode. Uh, the Lord gave me this several years ago. I finally found it in a book. And I think it kind of some things kind of set the stage for what God wants to do. I, you know, sometimes you come to service and boy, sometimes I'm really aware that that prophetic spirit's on me. It's just, it's, you know, I'm aware of it. I don't know how to explain what, what, what you sense or feel or what the right term is, but it's, it's kind of there. And uh, I'm not sure where we're at tonight. We're somewhere in limbo, but I think that that, that spirit is going to come up on us when we begin to minister. This is just a little ode the Lord gave me. Maybe it's for my own good, but I think, I think it'll be a blessing to you. I have a book full of things like that. My wife writes them all the time. She really gets odes and exhortations. She's got that evangelistic thrust in her. And, uh, and, that, and she's been saying, Lord, would you, if you're pleased to do it, use me in prophecy. And I told her today, I said, he's using you in prophecy. 
And when you, anytime you give one of those things, uh, it's uh, prophecy in its essence, in its root form, it's the coffee without the cream. When you put the cream in, it becomes a prophetic gift. But it's the coffee without the cream, edification, exhortation, and comfort. And this is kind of an ode because I was explaining an ode has some rhythmic. So it don't always have to, but sometimes and some of her uh, things she wrote, she two of them today. Amen. And God works out in the middle of the night and gives them to her. That's, you know, so I'm actually encouraging her to write them down in the book. But said over, over, and this is called over in the spirit. You remember in Revelations 1 where it said, and John said he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. It's one thing to have a Lord's Day. It's another thing to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I mean, you come to church, you want to be in the Spirit. You, 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 you know, wouldn't have to sing uh, uh, to pump you up as, as good as that is, but, but you'd be ready to go. The minute, we, the minute you said, hallelujah, you'd come from out, you'd come out of the woodwork, amen? Yes. Over in the Spirit, there are blessings sublime. Over in the Spirit, we are free from all time. There we're traveling at the speed of light, strengthened inside by the spirit of might. All things become possible, no restrictions over there. We're in the Holy Spirit, free from all care. Coming and going are no effort there. Our burdens are lifted, and we're lighter than air. Amen. I hope that's a little blessing to you. Amen. Uh, amen. Uh, you know, you uh, when you get out of your body, and I've been out of mine, you don't have any sense of weight. You don't have any sense of any kind of restrictions you have in your body. You're, you're, you're just out of it. You're really in the spirit then. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you, and it's, I, can't, I wish I could convey in words I haven't been able to since 2010. I've never been able to say what I'd like to say. But I'm telling you, there's no learning curve in the heavenly realm. Now, when I went to Bible school, we, I hated psychology. I read the book in front of a fan because I had to read it. And, and so I, I just absolutely didn't like doing it. Uh, but on the way I passed that class, because of my attitude, I guess, more than anything else, was uh, they had about 120 some people in there and they graded on the curve and I was on the lower end of the curve but I was on the curve, hallelujah, amen. Praise God. <laughs> so I'm glad about that. Got me through that class and I didn't have to go back and do it again, amen. Uh, something else. Uh, so it's kind of important. Now, um, let's get started. Let's go to Jeremiah 2. I used just a portion of a, a message I thought the Lord wanted me to share and just this portion of it. And it's called Confronting Powerless Christianity. But this is, we're going to talk about it from a different way because of some things that the Lord spoke to me that you need to hear. I believe you need to hear them. At least I hope I'm not you stepping beyond my boundaries. But I, I think that something's important to you because of the move of the Spirit of God. It has to be some things brought to, uh, to our attention from time to time so we can keep moving progressing forward. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, I'm sorry I didn't tell you. Jeremiah 2, uh, this verse, probably very familiar with people who have been around uh, church world for a while. 2.13, for my people have committed... Two evils. They have, the number one is they have forsaken me. 
You know, it's amazing. The Bible said in the last days, the many shall depart from the faith. That word depart there, when you do a little study on it, it actually means a gradual departure. It's not something instant. Most people wouldn't instantly just turn away, but the devil just begins to hammer on them and chip away and chip away at them until they get to a place they're, they're, they're departed. And they're like Samson. They raise up and shake themselves, but there's no power to do that. And you see, there's a lot of church people like that right now. That's why I originally got this message. And I'm, like I say, I'm not going to give you just three or four paragraphs of it. But on this message about confronting powerless Christianity, because, you know, it's like a friend of ours, we had a pastor we had in Illinois. I said, he said, you know any ministers that have any power in us? I said, well, I know one. They give him the man's name. And he called him on the phone and said, what are you charged to come to preach for us? He said, come by faith. And he said, well, we're looking for ministers of power, and you'd have to know him to really preach it. He said, ain't many. Well, that's about the truth. You have some that are. Thank God for those that are. But you don't have, you, we don't have that power like God wants us to have. We don't have the full gospel if we don't have it. If we don't have the miracle signs and wonders, we don't have the full gospel. We have not, we are not declaring the full counsel of God. We're talking and we're good at what we have to say. But, but I say that and I hope that brings a conviction on you to, to press through to that for this place. Because there's nothing going to change this county like the supernatural power of God. And you might as well know that the responsibility is up to you because of good, because every dozen churches there's only one or two that's looking for something. They're easy to play church on Sunday morning and, and show up and, and be on the numbers board, you know, uh, and have the offering a dollar two ninety eight and don't spend it all in one place. And, you know, I hate them doubting unbelief boards. Amen. I, I, I absolutely. The only time I ever seen one that was any good, we had a, had a, was doing a meeting. Actually, some of Bonnie and Clyde's family members were in this church. <clears throat> I believe they were still in there. Bonnie and Clyde might have been too in, in spirit. But anyway, uh, we had a person that got healed in their eyes. He, we got healed on Friday night. He, was, he was, had a stroke and couldn't only just had to walk just like that. And the man that picked him up, for church, took him home, said he jumped out of the car and took up a side of oak, said he didn't even know what he did. Just God just healed him. He just took off running. Well, he come back on Sunday night and he had, he had this, I was going into church early. He was going to the back room and pray, get ready for the service. Because uh, they had to drive a little distance to get there and you got to get that off of you before you can get in, get into anything. And so he, uh, uh, hey preacher, come here. And I'm going over and he had this thing. To me, it looked, it looked like a call of dirt. That's what it looked like. And he said, what is this? Well, I was, I was kind of reticent to answer him because I didn't know if it was something costly and I might not recognize it. I said, well, it looks like a clot of dirt. Yeah, that's what it is. He said, I can't see. And he, point, he pointed that out an unbelief board. I want to say, thank God you can't see it. He said, I can't see that. And I think it did have a dollar two ninety eight for the offering on it. But anyway, uh, he said, you know what you're going to do? I said, I have no idea. He said, you're going to spit on this dirt and rub it in my eyes, and I'm going to see. Man, I like to never got through that service fast enough. I mean, you know, he, I mean, you knew God was going to do it. So they, the, the pastors of the church, they were real nice and dignified. and went and got some of that black dirt in East Texas and rolled it up and put some water in it and put some tinfoil and said, use this. And I said, nah, uh ain't got nothing in it. It's going to work. 
And so we got down the end of the service, and I just <laughs> spit it up real good and slammed it on his eyes. He never said hallelujah. He never said thank you, Jesus. He never said anything. He just got up. He said, I can see that. He pointed to that down under the relief board. I said, I, I want to say I'm sorry, but I didn't say it. He said, I can see that. And then he went over and sat down and got his, he had a Bible. It was, you know, he could, it was one of them big print Bibles. You can read it across the room, most people. But he couldn't read it. And he sat down in that chair. He never did say hallelujah. He never even said thank you, Jesus. As far as I heard, I never heard him say it anyway. But he said, I can read. Hallelujah. So that's what gets miracles to happen right there. Hallelujah. That's what makes it happen, praise God. Hallelujah. And so that's, that was one of the things that you never forget. So there, he said, you've forsaken me. Man, I'm going to take off and go somewhere, but i got some things i got, I got to get done before I get to that. Uh, so, and then you've hewed you out broken cisterns, or your cisterns, they're broken. They, they, in other words, the, they have forsaken God, and they are doing the works of their own hands. Very easy to take your talent and what God has given you and, and naturalize it to some extent and get to a point to where you depend upon that instead of upon the Lord. You know, when you come into, into preaching the gospel like I was with an eighth grade education and the vocabulary of a, of a two-year-old, uh, you know, I wasn't quite that bad, but I didn't have a, a good vocabulary. Still, still work on some of that. But, but the fact was, you had, had nothing to give. You had nothing to say. What could you say? That would be any benefit to anybody. I, I, I felt a, a hammer of that come down on me. What are you going to say? The Lord's called you to preach, but you say ignorant you can't come in out of the rain. You don't know second from come here. And that was the truth. Uh, you know, the devil hounded my head, but I just kept going and trusting the Lord, and he started teaching me. And so anything that's a benefit to you, you can give God the credit for it because I didn't do it on my own. I, I went to Bible school and had to pray all the way through. I spent more time in the chapel than I did in class. Amen. Hallelujah. And then go with me to 2 Kings chapter 19. This is, <clears throat> I probably ought to give you a background, but I'm not going to give you no background. 2 Kings, I think I marked that one, but say, yeah. And 2 Kings 19, I, I said 13, but 19. This is when Hezekiah has been challenged by the king of Assyria, telling him how bad, uh, how bad he's going to tear them up, how he's going to do some things to them, he's going to do thus and thus and yada, 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 yada. And so the Bible said in verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, and it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Boy, it's the right thing to do. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shebna, or Shebna, however you would say it, the scribe and the elder of the priest covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amaziah. Isn't it amazing? You, you wouldn't give you a dime for most prophets that are really are prophets until you need one. Are you out there? I mean, I had a guy when I was in school told me how bad I was at before I knew anything about prophets or even God was calling me in that direction. You think you're so smart. You yeah, yeah, yeah. He went up inside me down the time he got through, I could crawl around the door and he got through. And then he had the unmitigated goal to say, would you pray for me? I got a bad shoulder. I'm going to jerk it off. <laughs> Prayed for him. God healed him. If I was God, I wouldn't heal him. I'd have killed him. But God ain't God, so thank God for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Got a ton of them stories to tell. This next verse, then he said, Then, then they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, 
This day is a day of trouble. We've got a day of trouble. And rebuke and the blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth and there is no strength or power to bring them forth. See, that's a sad indictment, uh, if it, especially if it's against the church. And I'm not necessarily saying that you're that way. I just think that you need to understand, and I'm still working at it too. I'm not always there either. You need to understand how to tap into the power of God. It, the th- you know, we're, you're, you're pushing, striving for revival here, and thank God you're going to have it. But, but there's some steps that has to be made in order to get there. And whatever that is individually, I have no way of knowing. I just know that there are certain things that has to be done. There are certain things that will be, uh, will be a blanket statement. Now, uh, I like this verse, Psalm 79.10. This is, uh, I think, the common English version, a CEV. I'm not sure what it is. But what, why should nations ask us, where is your God? That's the first part of it. It says the same thing in the King James. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is your God? You know, the world, is they don't know what they're looking for. Just like you didn't. When you found it, you knew what it was. But you couldn't define it. You couldn't tell them what it was that you needed. You couldn't tell them what it was you was looking for. But when you found it, you knew this is what I've been looking for. Hallelujah. Well, if they look and never see it, how are they ever going to find it? See, God gave you spiritual eyes and gave me spiritual eyes to see things that I couldn't ordinarily see with my natural eyes. But we have to train those eyes in order to get to a point where we can see what the Lord's doing. You read the Bible emphatically, especially some of the prophetic books. It talks about seers. It talks about seeing. Well, prophets, of course, see. You see things. I've never had too many visions. I don't think in 53 years of ministry, maybe a half a dozen at the most that way. But I see the word inside of me sometimes as strong as if I was looking straight at it. Because it's just the way the Lord works with you. Some, sometimes the, in the, when you look at the study some of them, the Old Testament prophets, they saw visions. Others saw or heard the word of the Lord. It's an amazing thing, and I've said this before. You can hear, you can see with your ears. You really don't, but once you hear something, you see it. Once God says something to you, you see it. It's very important that you understand that, that you, those eyes have to be open, praise God, where you can see. And so he says, uh, he, he makes it, then uh, ERV says, don't give the, the, the other nations a reason to say, where is your God? Now, nobody would do that intensely, would they? I mean, you wouldn't do it. You, you're, you're actually looking for it. But you don't know what you're looking for. Never seen it. What God wants to do in this t- day and time, according to what we hear from credible people and critical, critical, uh, get that out of my system, credible prophets, is there's something coming up we've never seen before. How do you know what to look for if you've never seen it before? How are you going to see it if you don't open your spiritual eyes? And how are you going to get your spiritual eyes open? I mean, that's a good question, right? I'm one, I mean, I'm, if I could make it happen every time, I'd make it happen. But sometimes it happens, and I just assume it wouldn't. You're in a church preaching, and you see all kinds of things. You just see all kinds of things, and people that need correcting, and things that need to be done, and it takes a whole lot of yielding to the Holy Ghost to say what the Spirit of God wants you to say. It's not half as hard for you to hear as it is for some of us to preach it. 
huh? Because we, uh, you know, I mean, I don't care whether you like me or not, but, but, but that is there. You know what I'm saying? As a human being, you do care whether you say you don't, you do anyhow. And so uh, it's very important. Now, knowledge, first of all, is not power. He did not tell them to tarry in Jerusalem until the Bible fell out of heaven and hit them on the head. Is that right? Acts 1 and 8, he didn't tell them to tarry. Knowledge is designed to take us to certain things and help us to cooperate with what the Spirit of God is saying to us. But it is not, not, you know, it has a certain element of power. You can't say the word don't have power because the Bible said it's quick and powerful, sharper than the two. So we're not saying that, and we want to make that clear. But just knowledge and just knowing something about even the Bible doesn't mean you have power working in your life. What you need to understand is that it has to have the light of God shine up on you. have to have illumination. That's why Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He prayed that, he prayed that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ of all the glory would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, I'm going to give you a scripture because I, I wouldn't go there quite that fast, but just go to John 5 because I want to, I'm going to come in now to that some. But uh, let's go there right now because it seems like a good time to go. This is some of my wife's favorite scriptures, honey. This is your favorite scriptures. You'll like these. Chapter 5, verse 37. And the Father himself... Oh, I'm sorry. I don't sound right. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought, I'm, I'm going to read from 37. And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. You have... You have neither heard his voice, it's important, and at any time, nor seen his shape. So here you got hearing, you hearing and seeing right there together. You know, if you hear his voice, nobody has any problem getting you to do anything. But it's amazing how close you can get to that and never make that step over into where that's at where you can definitely say, I heard the Lord say, this is what he said. You know, there's a lot of people said the Lord said something, he didn't say it. First of all, I've had him say it to me, I said, well, you know, I don't believe what you're saying because what you're saying is dumb and he ain't dumb. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some dumb statement up the wall. We had some lady in church, uh, she took the faith message too far and wore a schmuck. One said, I'm pregnant. Took me about a year to get her unpregnant. Amen. <laughs> you know, and and then they finally left the church when I done that. Well, you know what can I say? But anyhow, uh, you've never seen you never seen shape. You don't even know what it looks like, uh, and you have not His Word. Boy, I tell you, Jesus is going straight to the point. You have not His Word abiding in you. It's not just enough to have it. You've got to have it to the point that it changes something on the inside of you. You've got, it has to abide. Okay. And abide in you. And, and, and then he says, uh, and you have not his word abiding in you for whom you hath, or he hath sent him you believe not. He's talking about himself. This, watch this now. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Jesus said that. 
In other words, he said the knowledge that you gain from this word of God will take you to the person. That's exactly what Paul's praying. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you and I the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Say him. him. Who's him? Who? Jesus, right. It's, it's the Lord, right. I just want to make sure you knew. All right. Praise God. And so he said, search the scripture. You search them. Well, you ought to search them. You ought to study them. You ought to know everything you can so that when he does something, you can identify it. But I'll tell you more times than that, and maybe it's something that's a prophetic thing. I don't know. But the fact is, sometimes God will say things to me. I can't put scriptures to it, but I don't go do a whole lot with it until I sit down and study the Word of God to find out exactly what is being said so that when I stand to preach it, I can preach it with absolute assurance and making sure I don't do something that gets people going down some road. Because there's a lot of people who wants, only wants the Spirit and don't want another Word. You can't separate them. You've got to keep them together. They don't work right if you don't keep them together. So, so make sure you, you understand that I'm, I, that's what I'm saying. So he said, so knowledge, he said, in Jerusalem until you be indeed with power from on high. Uh, he said in Luke 24, uh, 49, when he was prophesying or telling him what this to go in Jerusalem and tarry until you're endued with a Bible. Uh, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Endued with a uh, Manuscript. How about power? How about being closed upon with power? Listen, the power aspect of the Spirit of God, there's another, many aspects of the Spirit of God, but one of them is the teaching ministry of the Spirit of God. And he knows how, he knows how to pull the cover off of the Scripture. Listen, this is how the Lord showed me. I was praying and praying and praying, and I didn't understand some things. I was, really, I, I was living with my dad, and I, he lived in a trailer park, and I, I couldn't pray like I wanted to pray because I wanted to scream. And, and I, I <laughs> screaming because I, I thought God was a long ways off. But it, anyway, I lay out on the side of a hill and hang on to the grass to keep him falling off the earth, and I get to scream at the Lord, you know. And, 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 and the Lord kept doing me, be therefore not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord, of the, of the will of the Lord is. Speaking to yourself in Psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, make a middle in your heart unto the Lord. Give you thanks always unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I kept thinking, he's good. And then I was reading Luke 12, where he says, it's a father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. So I was getting ready to go. I'm meditating on those two portions of scripture and praying. And, and I was getting ready to go out the door to preach a meeting. And the Lord said to me, this is plain. He said, because I was praying, the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray you therefore that you be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so all of a sudden I saw just the, the Spirit of God just pulled the covers off of me because the Lord said to me, is there any, because I was believing for finances because I, I, didn't, I didn't have enough to pay attention. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, I, I couldn't have no, no pennies of any kind. Didn't even have no foreign money. Uh, no money. And so I'm, I'm, I'm saying, God, I'm needing, I need some help here. You got to do something. You told me to quit working. You told me to go out and preach a ministry. I go out and preach, and I'm doing what you told me to do. But I ain't doing a whole lot of preaching, and it'll stop those bills that I incurred while I was out, uh, you know, working for myself. So I'm and talking to him about that. And all of a sudden, the cover came off, and he said, "When you pray that the will of God be done in heaven, do you think that that's how it works, or do you think if you pray it, I'll do it?" Then he said, "There's no." Poverty in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. 
There's no defeat in heaven. There's no bondages in heaven. Well, if you could pray for it to be done on earth as it is in heaven, what do you think that means? What do you think that means? Okay, then uh, most, of you, most of you, if you're honest, you think, well, that means we can pray and God will do a year. You surely do it and God will surely do it a year. But our, our, our problem is making the transition. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost said to me Sunday morning because I got done with a real song to pray, a real, real intercession come on me to pray. He said, most people pray until they get their need met and then they unhook. Huh? Let me tell you, and he, you know, he's, here's how he started it with me. He said, I want to I wanna bring my increase out of my presence. Mm-hmm. <coughs> That's what he said to me. That's a word of knowledge for you. I want to bring that increase out of my presence. So here's the thing about it. I found out from experience because God sometimes manifests himself in our meetings. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, it just comes just like a blanket. You've had it here. You understand what I'm talking about. But it just comes. And things happen. And we have people come and say, I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I got healed. And all kinds of things. I'm, I wasn't even doing nothing. I was just sitting there. I was just, just enjoying what they were enjoying. In the presence of God. In His presence, His fullness of joy. We'll talk about that, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, but so His presence comes. What do you think happens when God steps into any given situation that's contrary to his will? If he can get us to cooperate with him, and a key word that you need to remember the rest of your Christian days is yield. You need to yield. Because God is not going to do something to you if you for you if you don't yield to him to do it. But we, now, you know, if I ask you, if I come and ask you a question, say, you know, you, can you believe for an airplane? You say, well, yeah, maybe a toy one. <laughs> you start out there, and then after a while, you develop your faith, and you maybe believe for a little, a, a little one-engine job. But yeah, a man come and preach for us, and yeah, one of them slap sticks and the engine, there wasn't enough room in there for him. I told him, I said, ain't no room for nobody but you in there. And he said, yeah, if Jesus wasn't in me, he couldn't ride either. And, but he was just a little small plane. He's believing for a bigger one. He's flying that plane, get rid of it, go get the bigger plane. I was happy for him. But if I said to you, can you believe, you know, give you some phenomenal thing, can you believe for a 747 or whatever the new number is? Man, you put that limit screen up faster than you can snap your finger. You said, no, man, I can't be doing none of that. And that's exactly what happens why you don't step over into that other realm because you've got a limit of what you will allow God to do in you and do for you and even do through you and you shut him down before he ever gets started. (laughs) I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Huh? It's very important that you understand that because, because what I saw in the spirit I can't point out someone say that's what nobody else is doing. I just saw in the spirit that a good majority of people right here are just exactly right there. You're going up just, you just go up to a certain point. You're good people. You love God. You, and you have some uh, level of the, uh, of the presence of God, but you don't have what God wants to give you. Huh? He's more. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. Huh? And so you need to understand 
that you need to find out exactly what it is I can tear those limits down and get to a place to where I can see. Now, see, if you, if you get mad at me here tonight because I'm telling you the truth, that's your problem. That ain't mine. I can tell you that right now. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to go to bed. Uh, if Chica will leave me alone. But anyway. <laughs> but uh, <coughs> you just reach and pull them out and get, get a hold of them. Pull them down and say, no, I'm going to go all the way. Listen, the old timers preached this kind of a message. They called it total abandonment. It means there's a, there, is, there is a dying to yourself. I heard one fellow say, Mr. Captain Coleman said he would ask her how in the world. I said, Mrs. Coleman, I'm, I'm going to go buy a car. What do I need to do? He said, die to self. We don't think about that in the right frame of thinking, but because we're hewing out our own history, cistern, or history, whatever you want. Amen. We hew it out and say, this is where I want, this is, this is you ain't idolatrous, but in a way it's kind of like that. This is my God. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take all of it because I'm afraid if I yield to God, he might cause me to do something that would absolutely embarrass me. <laughs> What do you think you are to him right now when you don't yield to him? Oh, that's right. Amen. He said, that's my kid and they embarrass me. He looks over at Jesus and says, they're an embarrassment to me because they won't yield. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you that's how you, I, 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 I bet you that's exactly how God sees it. He said, well, because you can see certain things in the scripture that makes you understand that. He talks about his people not doing what they need to do, not stepping all the way up. You, you can't read the Old Testament and get too far into it until you find out that most of Israel are not going. You think on the top of the mountain when Elijah called down fire out of heaven and that fire came down and licked it up. Uh, you know, I need to tell some of the background story. You know, the false prophets kind of like what we got nowadays, they would set up the altar and put fire embers inside of it and then they would maybe fan it or whatever they did and make that thing flame up and fire. And so Elijah said, we're not going to do it your way. You go ahead and do what you're going to do, but I'm going to put water and I'm going to put a lot of it on and nobody's going to look at me and say that what I did is some manufactured uh, thing. I am going to, we're going to have the real fire. Hallelujah. And brother, when he called out, listen, I will tell you one thing about him. He was a fire prophet, all right. He was, I love him. I love I loved to read about him. I love to study about that. I'm not there yet, but I might be one of these days. You never know. It might be tonight before it's all over with. That panther may come out and <laughs> Pastor always said, we fire you up, so I'm fi- I am fired up. I'm bones just like fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. I might have some snow on the roof, but I got a whole lot of fire in the belly. Amen, right. Hallelujah, amen. Are you out there? But, you know, so, uh, you, where was I? I don't know. I, I, I got going down that road with Elijah, and I'm going to say, I'm, I'm talking about limits. I'm, I'm really talking about limits. That's where I'm, that's my, my point at end. Knowledge, don't do it. You can know everything that you need to know and come right up to the point where there's no power and you need to do so. You need to have some power. When you face a devil and you're going to face some, come on here. And I'm not talking about the nice kind either. There ain't no nice ones. But, but, but if there, if, if there is a, for one of a better way to say it, there'll be some little fuzzy legged devil. I've had him do some of that too. 
in. You can't, can't. I don't, they want me. Don't cast me out. They like me. Oh, yeah. yeah, they probably do, but shut up and come out. I don't want to talk to you. I ain't got no talking to you I want to do. But then I've had some times when I've been picked up and thrown through the air. Yeah, right. Mine's right. Bit. Scratched. Spit on. Karate chopped. Yeah. Oh, happy day. And already somebody didn't put up to the limits and say, I'm not going there. Well, and then what are you going to do about reaching this area? Because it's not just pastor's responsibility. He has that which God has told him to do. But you've got that which God is trying to tell you to do. And, you, and, and he can't get through to you that level of knowledge that helps you see him as he really is. Hallelujah. So you born again, that means born from above, being born from a spirit realm. I think I preached that when I came preach a meeting a couple years ago. But, but, so I won't go there too deep. But he says you, you, when you're born again, you have an ability to see. That's your first access to seeing. But then entering in is another story. What are you going to walk? And that's where you can find out whether you have any limits about what you'll do. Huh? Listen, some of you come right up to that level of praying where you want to slip over into that groaning and start screaming and you're afraid to do it because you're afraid you'll be set down. Well, only if you're not doing it in God. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I know you're not going to do it right. I, I haven't always done everything exactly right, especially when I first started out. But you're right to that point. But let me tell you something. Not ordinary run-of-the-mill prayer is going to cut the mustard. And I don't know how to tell you, uh, I don't know how to tell you any other way except this. There is the spirit of prayer. When it comes, it comes. You can't, you can't, uh, you can control it, but you'll grieve God. You know, I mean, I, I always get, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, when we sit on the front seat, you never know what I'm going to do. I'm afraid, well, you look at me and say, what's wrong with Brother Hughes? There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just yielding to God. Sunday morning, I couldn't get that. Couldn't get. I couldn't. I'd get up and leave the building because I was afraid I would disturb something. It wasn't had enough sense to know it wasn't flowing just exactly that way. But there's there's coming a time. Yabaste bevre besta de barbanga. There's coming gambeste subovafariye belebushanga. There's coming a time when the pastor's going to have to stand in the pulpit and say, "Would you please just hold it for a minute so I can preach a little bit and turn you back loose again." Uh, that's what Dr. Cho had to do. He had a church of what a couple million, I guess, before he died. I don't know what the what the but, but he had to stop them, huh? And we have enough trouble getting you started. Amen. My God, to get started, we ain't gonna stop you. Then go for it. <laughs> Hallelujah! Step over there because you listen. You may hold the key to what God wants to do in this place. You individually may hold the key, but you're limiting God. You're afraid to step over. You're afraid to do whatever your, uh, your problem is, and you're, and you're holding back the shepherd. And he wants to take you where you've never been before. You hear about it, and your ears tingle. 
Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Brother, I believe we're going to go. Well, what are you going to do about your part of it? Huh? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? How, what are you going? Well, I don't know what to do. Well, you're never going to find out unless you just yield yourself to it. I found out a lot of things by trial and error. A whole lot more error than it was anything else at first, but after a while I got, a, I got to a point where I understood that I was being taught by the Holy Ghost taking me someplace. He was trying to get me there. And I, and you know, and I couldn't, the church that I was raised in, uh, born and started off in, my uncle pastored in, in uh, Roanoke. Uh, and, uh, I, can't even, I can't even describe to you the only other church that, I hate to say this because this sounds so self-serving, the only other church I ever seen that had that kind of power was the one we pastored. I had young people, young people, Old ones ought to know better. Young ones don't know nothing. And they were wild. I took two of them with me to Iowa to preach a meeting, and I thought the pastor was going to throw me out of his house because they got wild in the middle of the night. And God would get to praying at the service the next day, and they got to screaming and hollering and shouting and, and doing all kinds of things. I thought, oh, God, he's going to kill us. He's going to throw us out. I don't think he knew exactly what to do. He didn't know where to put us. You want to be ordinary, you can do it. There's a ton of churches. I've seen them when I go to Mount Area. I've seen them when I go to Martinsville. I've seen them. And I almost can tell you that some of them are not going to have any of the experiences of God. You know, and people don't build your thing on experience. Well, build it on reason and feed yourself full of knowledge and reason it away. I just don't seem to me like that's God. How would we know? We don't know what God is. We don't know how he works. If we don't know it, we can't, we can't do anything. You can't cooperate with him. But you're never going to learn it like you're going to learn it if you pow around with him. I don't know what for one of I need to say that better. It's not a matter of a, a, a pal, but you're going to maybe hang out is the best way to say it, whatever. But you need to just have that relationship with him, glory to God, so that you, because you begin to absorb by osmosis his character, his nature, what he likes, what he wants, where he's going. Now, another thing the Lord said to me, he wants to be your shepherd. Huh? I'm going to do a point before I go to and talk to you about that. We're going to go to the 23rd Psalm here in a minute. He wants to be your shepherd. And there's some prerequisites to that chapter, starting in verse 1. You know, and that was a scripture that God gave me when I, when I quit my painting business and went to work. And my wife and I hadn't gotten back together at that point. I was living with my mom. My mom, was she perfected doubt and unbelief. She's a good person. I don't mean that disrespectfully to her, but she just couldn't get it. And I was trying to get it. And I couldn't get it when I hang out, hang around, <laughs> that kind of stuff. You just had to get away from it. And, and uh, I said too much, and I don't want to say any more than that. Amen. Uh, uh, all right. All right, I got that. All right. Excuse me. I want to make that real clear. I wasn't being critical of my mother. I wouldn't do it. I want to make that clear. And I want to make sure you understand that I'm not doing it. I just, I, I just could have said that better. And... Uh, when you don't say it right, you lose your train of thought. Amen. And that's exactly what happens. Amen. I want to give you, I want to give you another scripture before I go on. I want to show you this one. Very important. Uh, Philippians 3, verse 13. I needed it. I've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. Yeah. 
she's a good person. She's in heaven. And that's the, that's, that's, that's the thing that counts. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, she made it through. Amen. Brethren, verse 13, I count not myself to apprehend, but this one thing I do, and I'm going to clarify something for you in a minute. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, everybody would agree with me when I said to you, we are to forget all of those bad things. You want to forget them, don't you? Bad things just happen to I mean, Do you? Can I? I mean, uh, you can teach a horse to do this. Say amen. You can count. You know, like one fellow said, had, had an old horse would count. He'd say, how many, how many, how many is in the Godhead? He'd go, and he said, how many disciples? And he counted out 12. And, and he said, how many hypocrites in this church? And he went, Smart horse. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Everybody wants to get rid of that. I do. I don't want it. I want to think about it. I, I refuse to think about it. The devil brings it up and so says, you, you, you go think on it. It'll drive you crazy. You're not going to drive me crazy with it. But, but how about those victories that you've had? And that's one of the things he's talking about. Forget those what it took. Now, in one way, you remember them, of course. But forget that. You can't go back and do it. To, I had a, the first church I pastored. If they had a Sunday morning service where they would run and shout and do all kinds of things, and then you could count on going there on Sunday night and see the same thing. They would do it over and would do it again because we're people of repetition. But God has ways that he wants things done. You, anybody that flows in the spirit will know that you don't always do the same thing twice. You may over a period of time, but you don't always do the same thing twice. You, 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 you got to follow on the same, I'll give you an example in the Old Testament. David went up to battle one time and the Lord told him to go that way and he come back, went down in the hole and said, what do you want me to do this second time? He said, well, let's go up through the mulberry trees and when you hear the rustling on the top of the mulberry trees, go up, I'm giving them into your hand. So, so God is, is a God of variety. What I want you to understand is that, that one, this is one of the things that imposes limits on you because you think it has to be done the same way as it was the other time and God may have something totally different. I had a bout with kidney stones, man, I'm, or, or gallstones, I don't know which one it was. I mean, to tell you, I was in bad shape. I never had anything. I'd been on a fast for several days and I guess I broke them loose. And so I, I just learned some of the faith message and learned how to live some things by faith and get a hold of it. And I was took over this church for this older couple and they were these people would bring cancer victims in, keep them in the house and pray them through to victory. Now, they didn't have the message that the faith message presented, but they had the faith. And you couldn't say they didn't have it. And so I'm walking to four, three o'clock in the morning. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I rebuked the devil. I was going, I was going to town. And the Lord said, I want you to call them. And you know what Mr. Smarty said? Well, they don't breathe like we do. And so I just kept walking the floor in pain. And he finally said to me again. And after two or three times, I said, all right. So I had my wife call them. And now you'd have to understand these people. She was, as a husband and wife, she was kind of, she, as the Spirit of God was moving on, she's pretty bold, but she wasn't like this ordinarily. And, and, and they were old-time Pentecostals. You had to wear your hair a certain length and had to wear your dress down. And I ain't going to wear no dress for nobody. But anyway, you know what I mean by that. And, and uh, down to the ground and, you know, and all kinds of stuff like that. 
and, and uh, I didn't want him to see because I had on a pair of shorts. And so she called him, and she comes through the door. I'll never forget it. She come through. I was back in the back bedroom. She come through that front door, come through that back room, and slammed that door over and walked over and hauled off and hit me right in the side, right where it was hurting. I said, oh, God, tell her don't do that again. I'm going to kill her. <laughs> but when the pain from where she hit me left, it was gone. Second time, I had a, I must have been passing another one. I laid in the floor. Uh, I was laying in, the, well, I was actually laying in the bed and then got in the floor. And the Lord said, go drink a glass of milk. Now, it don't even sound right, does it? But I went and drank a glass of milk. It was gone. The third time, I was in my office laying in the floor vomiting green. And the Lord said to me, ain't this some kind of a position for a man of faith and power to be laying in? Get up. You're healed. That's the last one I ever had. Didn't do it the same way any time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you, you, so, so I want you to see, you, you get locked in. You get God in. You, you pigeonhole God. You put him in a box. You lock him up and say, you can only come out when I feel like I'm ready for you to come out. But he's not going to do that. He'll pass you by and find somebody else that will do it. You look under the old covenant, you'll find in Exodus uh, 33 uh, where Moses had to take the tabernacle and set it out, a uh, tabernacle where God met with his glory and met him, with him, him in his glory and set it outside of the camp. You know what God did in the, uh, in the charismatic movement? He couldn't get the Pentecostals to move, so he went to the Baptists, he went to the Catholics, he went to the Lutherans, he went to every one of them, and he started selecting people out of that. He'll, and you know what he's going to do? We get old, we get sitting in our ways, we're old time, whatever we are, and God wants to bring young people in here, and then they look like wild people, and they are wild people, and they're the radical in every sense of the word. They got pink hair, green hair, uh, and some of them don't know the difference between a male or female, and whatever else they may have. And he wants to bring them in here, and if, you set, if you're set in your way, you will miss what God's doing. You'll miss what God wants to do. I, it, I tell you what, I've come down that old road. It stretches me. It stretches me. Yeah. But I'm going to say something that really needs to be said. I don't think we have to modify as much as we think we have to modify. What I think we need to have is a genuine move of the Holy Ghost in power because everybody likes that. Amen. <coughs> and don't worry about what the guy looks like and says or smells like. Or anything besides you, don't worry about it. We had a friend of ours had a church in Springfield, Illinois, and he got all the hippies, and they were so dirty. He said they would hold the back of the seats, and where they put their hands to hold the back of the seats, I guess while he was preaching, they was hanging on to keep falling out of there. And he said it was just black dirty. People got mad, left the church, but he kept right on going. See, he tells one story. He said they had one guy come in with a dog, and his wife come over and said, his name was Delbert. Said Delbert. Look over there. And he said, I looked now. I didn't see anything. And he said, come back a little bit later. He said, look, Delbert, I want you to look over. And he said, I still didn't see it. He said, finally, after a little bit of looking, he said, I saw the man sitting there and a big dog sitting beside him. And he said, I'm going to get up and go over and tell him to get that dog out of here. And the Lord said, keep your mouth shut. Don't you say a word. So he said, I just preached and gave an altar call, and he was the first one to come. And he said, the man told him later, said, I've been in churches and they threw me out. He said, and I said to the Lord, I will give my life to you and serve you if, you, if, if a church lets me and my dog come in here. Right. Now, I don't mean you're going to bring your dog, leave him at home, but, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you understand what I'm saying by that. 
Amen. Maybe Chico. Yeah, Chico. Yeah, you bring cats. We don't like dogs. Anyway. <laughs> no, we like dogs. But amen. So, so, so it's, we, we, we impose that. Now, let me, let me go through this quickly because uh, I, I, t- I turned to you to the 23rd uh, Psalm. Let's go there. And I'm going to go there because I want you to see some things. Uh, very important because the Lord wants you, he said to say to you, and I didn't know how I was going to say it uh, uh, until pastor asked us last night to preach. But he said, my people need to let me be their shepherd. Huh? You know, I learned, and I was telling about this before I got off and talking about my mama, but the Lord was my shepherd. I shall not, that's how I learned how to live for God. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And so I got some, uh, a few little things I want to go through here about that. Uh, so I'll get that, I'll pass, I'll surprise some of you. Got, got one page of notes you want to have to listen to. But he said, he starts off by saying this, the Lord is my shepherd. That's the first thing. The first thing in this thing is, is the Lord your shepherd? Is he really your shepherd? Lordship and shepherd go together. Is he your shepherd? Will you let him, like I heard one of us say just recently, he said he had a visitation from Jesus and he saw Peter, I think it was, or maybe it was himself, and he said, Jesus came and said, will you let me wash your feet? What did Peter do? He squawked like a mashed cat. He had limitations on what he thought Jesus ought to be and not be. And that's what got him in trouble. You know, he, you know he, 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 it was, he had divine days and not so divine days. Some days when he's divine, he said, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then the other days, Jesus had to look at him and say, shut up, devil. I mean, what a, what a, what a long range. Anyway, so the Lord is your shepherd. It means being in full cooperation and total yieldedness to him. That's, a, that's what that implies to me. Now, you may see other things about it. He's my shepherd. And then watch what he goes on to say. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, what does that mean? Actually, the Hebrew, I think, says, The Lord my shepherd, I shall not want. He'll put the is in it. The Lord my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, anything that you want for... You don't want. Huh? I mean, I'm talking about within the boundaries of his word. If you got everything his word said, bless God, you'd be saying, I, I didn't really deal with that like I want to, but because, uh, you know, the, Jesus said the works that I'll do, the you shall do, and greater works than these shall you do. I was in uh, Argentina going to a meeting and had, had two kinds of interpreters uh, in this meeting. I had the ones that interpret you preaching and ones that interpret you speaking and talking. And had a little guy in the back of the car, and I don't know if he's flaky or not. I didn't know. But, you know, you have to, interpreters or something else. You know, Dr. Summerall said he didn't know if any of us would go to heaven or not. But anyway, he would know better than I would. But, but so I, the, the pastor's mother was driving us to the meeting. She said, to the interpreter, we're going to Miami, we're going down to church, and we're going to learn how to get the gold dust. I went, Arr. I thought, oh, brother, you know. I mean, if it's gold dust, I'm going to find it. I need some right now. But, uh, but I, I thought, well, what am I going to do, Lord? So I was leaning the little interpreter. I said, now, you have to understand this. You have to understand me the way I am. This is how I deal with things. So you don't get upset. 
if you get upset, uh, I'll pray for you. But anyway, I said to him, I said, I want you to say what I tell you to say to her or I'm going to kill you. I said it in kind of a half-hearted manner, but I wouldn't have killed him, but I would have made him thought I was. I wanted him to say what I said. I said, you're going, I said, Jesus said in his word, the works that I do, you shall do. No stronger word. You shall do, and greater than these. I said, you haven't done his works. So what are you going there to learn something from some man for? It was quite the rest of the meeting, the rest of the trip, and all the way back to the place where we were staying because I, I don't agree with it, and I can't. I had, to, I had to speak into it. Well, it went over like a lead balloon, but that's okay. Okay, that's fine. If you're into gold dust, stand in line at the end of the service, and we'll set you free. Now, He'll make you, he said, so he's a shepherd. You don't want him. He's full cooperation, total yieldedness to him. He'll make you lie down, which means to cease from your own labor. He said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. So he, in order for the glory to work, or, or, or let's say it another way, when the glory of God works as it should work, there's rest. There's no human effort. A pastor can tell you, anybody else has ever appreciated it at all. When you get under the anointing of God to preach the gospel and you got that glory cloud comes, it's as easy as just falling off a log. Uh, you have no restrictions. You don't have anybody fight you. Nobody resists you. There's no resistance. You just flow right along. You're in the glory cloud. Man, you're flying. You don't even know. You, your light is there like I talked about. You just, you right on through because you, and, and you, you know what we do? We do everything under the sun in order to help God to have a move of God instead of doing what he told us to do. Right. If we do what he tells us to do, he will have what he told us that we can have. But we got to do that and we got to do it his way. We can't pick and choose the persons he wants to use either. He has to use what, what he raises up is what to do. I'm reading about a fellow by the name of Lorenzo Dow and he was an old time Methodist uh, preacher and he didn't fit to be able to Methodist look for ways to throw him out but he had such supernatural movings in his uh, ministry and in his life that they couldn't afford to throw him out. And he didn't take baths, he didn't shave, he stank. And he wasn't, he wasn't, but he, but he was, had such a move of God in his life. Now, that means take a bath, you can do it. But, but anyway, you have to tell some folks everything, you know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Now, so he makes, he, he, you, you come to a place of rest. You cease from your own labors. In green pastures, you get the refreshing or a fresh anointing. Then he says, he'll make you, he leads me beside still waters. Now, here's a, here's a, here's a good point. I want to stay with this thing. God has to get you quiet so you can hear his voice. The best way for you to get quiet is to pray in tongues. And I'm talking about quiet where you can hear in here. Listen, you know, Watchman in his book called The Ministry of the Word, he said you could sit in the middle of a most clamorous situation, you could find, and yet you'd be zeroed in on God and hear exactly what he's saying. You know, you come to church and as preachers come to church, there's all kind of activity going on. Spirit of God speak to you right in the middle of that. And you think, well, I, you know, you, you, I heard that. Yeah, hallelujah, amen. I mean, just that easy. Or sometimes some, some strange place. Like uh, sometimes for me, I, I take showers and God talks to me because that's the only time he's got me quiet enough to talk to me. Huh? 
Makes you want to stay in the shower, don't it? Hallelujah. Are you here? So he, 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 he's your shepherd. He makes you to go beside still waters, get you quiet. You end up pressed. But you know, there's just a scripture. I'm really not sure all that there is, is saying, but he just says, study to be quiet. That means work at it. I mean, this, this, you know, just dismiss everything if you have to. Listen, what's the priority right now? Maybe you've got a financial problem. He's your shepherd you don't want. Maybe you've got a physical problem. He's your shepherd you don't want. Maybe you've got an emotional problem. He's your shepherd you don't want. What he's wanting to do is get you to a point of stillness where he can do something for you. Bring you there. Amen? Come on now. And then he says, uh, <clears throat> so he can get you to a place where you can hear his voice. You remember we talked about the voice of God and hearing the voice of God? The voice of God is what activates faith on the inside of you. It's what we call the rhema word, but it activates faith on the inside of you. You can be looking at the scripture a hundred times and, and see some things, but you won't see what you can see in one split second of time when the Holy Ghost anoints it and anoints you to receive it. And then all of a sudden you stand up and say, No! You're not doing that to me, devil. I, I, I just go to the Word when I need something and, and, and stay in it and meditate it until it becomes a reality. You can do it that way, but I'm not talking about that in particular. He just does it. He just does it. God wants, listen, the suddenlies of God come out of this kind of a situation. Okay? Let me get through this right quick. John 10, 10, no, 10, verse 1 through 10, he is the shepherd, and he's, of course, the porter, because the word porter kind of refers to back to that when you study the Greek. That, that opens doors to the deeper things in him that you are not trained to hear his voice and will not press into the high calling of God, the high calling of God. The Bible said he sent from above and seized you. He took you. He sent out of the realm of the Spirit of God. He sends out of the realm of the Spirit of God. And he sends from above, Psalms 18, 16, and he took you. Let me tell you something about Enoch. The Bible said for 300 and some years he lived, but he didn't live past that point. But the Bible said he come to a place where... Uh, uh, he was not, and then God took him. What does that mean? God calls those things that are not as though they were. He became a was not. He became a he abandoned all self life, and abandoned everything that would hinder him from going into the fullness of God. And 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 then he just went walking. And one day, like one fellow said, he was just out walking, and God said, "You know what, Enoch? We're closer to my house than where yours. So just come on with me." Hallelujah. And so he just walked, he walked right into the glory realm. And that's exactly what it's all about, walking right into the glory realm. Just walk, and suddenly, you know, if God comes suddenly, some folks would be totally surprised. They'd get blessed and they'd, they'd incorporate it to a certain point. But let me say something to you. The scripture says, study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Let me tell you what gets God, gets him going. We got to show him we want it. We've got to pursue everything and every, from every angle. Not goofy stuff now, but everything, the Word and stuff like that. Until you, you, hook, you find a place to hook up. Just pursue it. Don't stop. Just stay after it. Push it. Push it. You come here on, uh, on Tuesday night to pray, and you ought to. Uh, you, you, you just go for it. Go for it. You know, I can't make it happen. I can't, and you can't either. But I think if there's some things that we can show God, 
and say, well, God, I want this. I want this so bad. I'm willing to do this. Then he's whatever. You have to do what he wants to do. And don't put no limits on him. Amen. He's your shepherd. The Bible said he restores your soul. He gets you to still place. Then he restores your soul. Your soul. The Bible said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. And then, let me go and read this because it's important for me to read. He restores my soul. He leads me but in the path of right for his name's sake. And they call it righteousness, but it means right. In the right way, he leads you and guides you. A couple of times he's uh, talking about that. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, let me say something to you. He wasn't talking about pitch darkness. He was talking about the shadow. When you're going through difficulties, if he's your shepherd, you don't have to worry. If you've made him the shepherd of your life, if you let him be the shepherd, you, you listen. I've been to that shadow of death. I know what it is. It is not pitch dark. You can see there. But it is but it is not the best place to be, but only in the sense that it's peaceful. If you're in Christ, it's peaceful. You, can, you don't have no sense of terror. You have no sense of, uh, let me out of this place. Uh, where am I? None of that. You just know that you're there. And he said, so, in the, so he goes on to say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So there's a place in the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I mean uh, of the shepherd, that brings us to a place to where we're not terrorized. We can walk through kind of death situations. It doesn't make any difference. Just walk right on through it. Just, just walk, come out on the other side. And, and, and he said, no fear, no evil, for they are with me. That say that, for he's with me. Say, he's with me. Thy, the, rod, the rod and thy staff, they shall come with me. And I thought I wanted to do a little uh, word meaning on it. The word rod here means a club, a scepter, a spear, a stick for fighting, ruling, or walking. That's what that word the rod means. You remember Aaron's rod, when they put it into the ark, it budded because in the presence of God, listen to me, I'm going to say it again, Jesus said to me Sunday morning, I want to bring, I want to bring uh, out of my presence. I want to express out of my presence. I want to express. What's that mean? He wants to manifest. He wants to reveal. That's what the, and that's where the word suddenly comes from because express means do it in a hurry. Hey, oh, Tamatha, I know I'm preaching too long and I'll try to quit by 12 o'clock. <laughs> no, I could preach that long, but I, or I think I could anyway. Maybe I can't. Maybe bragging beyond my ability. And then he said, and, you, and then the word staff means support. Or abstractly, that is, means sustenance or a protector. So his rod and his staff comfort you. And then since he's the door, since he's the shepherd, and since he's the shepherd and the door, then he can open the door to deeper places in him. Amen. Yes. Is that right? Yes. If he's the door opener, he can take you right just as deep as you want to go, just as deep as you want to go. Uh, okay, I'm going to get through. Then he said, you prepare a table, or raise, in other words, you prepare or you sit right in front of the devil. 
me a table. You set a table up right in front of the devil. I, that's another thing I remembered. Uh, when, I, when I lay dead in the floor and lay, it was there dead, uh, I remember some being that was wearing a baseball hat and a black jogging suit with a red burgundy stripe over the back of it, and he was trying to do something to me. But when the, the, someone else came and poured the oil on my head while I was in that situation, and that devil left there like a streak of, like a streak of grease lightning. He left. I, I said, to, I said, I'm going to, who was wearing the ball? I asked him. I said, who's wearing the ball cap? And, and, and the black said, nobody. Got the video where they claim it and couldn't find him because you can't televise spirit things. Huh? He was gone because that anointing that breaks the yoke, glory to God. Hallelujah. Come up on my head and the devil said, I can't stay here. I got to get out. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. That's exactly what I'm saying to you. You don't have to die to get there. He was anointing your head with oil. Pat yourself on the head and say, thank God for the oil. Hallelujah. Amen. And can't pat too hard at ring them. I don't have no hair, but that, anyway. Prepares, he arranges, he sets up to put it to lay in order. That's what that word prepares means. Uh, it means to lay in order, set in array, order, ordain, handle, furnish, esteem, equal, direct, all those are words. That's put all in there. And then it runs over. It means, the word runneth means saturated or uh, saturation. They ought to hear you squeak. I mean, they ought to hear you shh, shh, shh when you walk. Because it means to be soaked. Soaked. Just soaked. You ever been out in the rain, got soaked? Huh? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Only with oil, with the anointing of God. God wants to soak you. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I had a message I preached one time the sons of the oil. And we're sons of the oil, and you're to be children of the oil. Praise God. Amen. Then this ended up here. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The word surely means emphatically. Yes. Truly. Certainly. Mercy means favor. He compasses us about with favor, as Psalms 5 said. He, we're compassed about favor all around you. You're favored, highly favored. Thank God. And goodness means good, excellent, good, rich, valuable, and uh, in estimation, valuable in estimation, anything that uh, is good uh, is good will. I don't know what I wrote there, but what I type, but not the right thing. Follow, then the word, here you go. Get up on your feet because I'm going to quit. If you'll let the Lord be your shepherd, if you want him to be your shepherd and you're willing to pull down your limits and say, I'm going to do exactly what he tells me to do in the framework of, you know, the pastor has guidelines about things that goes on here, so I'm not trying to set up some something besides that. Uh, you flow with what he taught you to flow with. But surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. If surely goodness and mercy is following me, and the word follow means uh, run over top of you. I just put it in our language. It means to run. Uh, it means to run after. Surely goodness and mercy is running me. I double dog dare you and challenge you to just get out and start running and say, and look back and say, come on, mercy. Come on. 
Come on, don't stand there like church people. Come on, get out of your seat and run a little bit here. Glory to God, amen. And say, mercy, surely goodness and mercy is following me. Hey, come on. Somebody said, well, I'm not gonna do that. Well, then surely goodness and mercy, you ain't got nothing to follow, but come on, follow me. Quit being dignified. Glaze God forevermore, hallelujah. Yeah, mercy and goodness is following, surely goodness and mercy is following us all the days of our life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Come on right there. Come on, Shirley. Come on, Shirley. <laughs> goodness and mercy. Well, glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. I'm having a good time. How about you? Glory, 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 glory. We got to have a breakthrough. Glory be to God forever. Because surely goodness and mercy, favor is following us. We are compassionate with favor. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hey, 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 hey. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We know who's in shape because we can hear everybody going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Hallelujah. Yeah, I was part of your head. Where's that oil at, brother? I'm going to oil her up real good. And you need it. And, and, and if, you, uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't have any sense of the anointing of God on your life, you need to come and get anointed. Just come up and stand and get anointed. Now, if you're sick, you need to get anointed. If nothing of it is an act of faith, hallelujah. I had enough of this stuff. I'm going to do it like... I'm going to do it like uh, Morsarella, hallelujah, amen. In the name of Jesus, come out of her. And devils, line you up where I can, and we can pray for you a little bit, amen. We're going we're gonna, to, I need me a big pan I can stick my hand down in, amen, hallelujah, amen. In the name of Jesus, yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah, yes. I pray for my daughter. She came up early from Children's Church. She's got migraine going on. Okay. Right. Is she here? She's in the old uh, Okay, all right, good. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you sent your word and healed. And we send your word to her, uh, this child, and rebuke that migraine headache and the source behind it and break its power in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And let the healing power of God go into her body. Hallelujah. Affecting healing and a cure. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to be all, all up, and you're going to be all too. How oh, glory be to God. Let that go in you. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Any, any more heads around here? Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Stay here a minute. Hallelujah, yeah. That spirit of blindness. Leave her now. Leave her now. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right up toward heaven. Now, I know this because I'm here and I hear you from time to time being moved upon and yielding to the Lord. I know you do it. But that's going to increase. There's a whole lot of things that have been said to you, and you don't know what to do with them. But you're going to find out what to do with them. You're going to connect. 
Hallelujah. And you're going to be, and you're going to be the blessing God designed for you to be. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Je Yeah, there you go. That's the anointing. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Now, sister, you were, come up here, please. Hallelujah. I'm going to make your head shine. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Give that. I told you what to do. I told you a long time ago what you were to do. So the Lord would say unto you this night that you, so mona kira bai, but a yola kesanai, but a yola kinameda. Yeah, yeah. I am placing for that which I've gifted you with, I'm blessing upon you and ordaining so that you'll begin to walk forth in that because I have need for you to be obedient to the Lord. And uh, your feet are like missionary feet in this city. If you'll allow the Lord to lead you, you will be led to different ones here and there, and you will begin to bring people in this place that nobody else would even fool with. But God is anointing you to do that. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah. Any, any more heads? 